Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Adam Oldfield is joining us now for Tech Talk, which is brought to you by Furnace Man, Vacuum Man Furnace and Duct Cleaning. Sorry, I need to get that right. Vacuum Man Furnace and Duct Cleaning. Uh, I'm Shona Thompson filling in for Bill, and Adam is on the line now. And Adam, I, I, I saw a note about moisture in a furnace. Is that a problem with condensation? It is. Yeah, absolutely. I, I wanted to bring it to people's attention because you know what? It's the last place most people look at. You know, you turn your AC on if you got central air. Um, you know, it, you don't really go down and say, let me go take a look at that HVAC system and uh, really pay close to uh, details of what's going on. But with this humidity, when it's like hot and cold like it is, Shona, and I think I, I heard on the weather report, we're talking about humidity again. And, and when it's up and down like that, a couple factors. Number one is your evaporator coil which is the part of your furnace that actually cools. So when the air blows on it, it sends the cool air through your home. What tends to happen is that if it's plugged and doesn't have a way to drain, um, it will freeze. And I mean, honestly, it becomes an ice pack inside your furnace. So what tends to happen is if it gets frozen, it then dethaws after it shuts off. It can't run properly. And what tends to take place is uh, you may be feeling like, wow, it's really cold in the basement, but there's no cold air upstairs. Uh, you, you're going to be really overloading your electricity bill because your your furnace is trying to run so hard. But the most dangerous in this circumstance is that if you do have water, and you'll notice, by the way, you'll see it uh, condensation a little bit on the outside of your furnace. You might see a puddle of water at the base of your furnace. If you see that, it might be good to get it looked at um, because if water drips, on the circuit board, which it could, um, then you got a real big problem. So I just wanted to bring everyone's attention that it is, even though it's nice, you turn your AC on, you oh, that's better. Um, maybe <laughs> just take a moment, step downstairs and take a look at your furnace. And if it's looking like you got a spa about to uh, erupt in your basement in the, uh, in the furnace room, um, you might want to get that looked at. Yeah, yeah. Water and furnace is not a good combo. <laughs> no, 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 it's not. But, but no, and we've been dealing with a lot of that this past week. So I wanted to, I've been finding a lot of uh, homes we get uh, a vacuum in, we go in, we go to clean, and, and, and a lot of circumstances could be it is plugged. Like there might be a lot of dirt and materials in there. And when it plugs, like I say, it overloads, it can't get the air flowing through it, and there's coolant, refrigerant going through that. And what happens is, is if it can't be cooled and moved correctly, um, it will end up, you know, freezing and becoming an ice block inside your furnace. And always better to take uh, care of that sort of a situation well before another heat wave. That's right. Yes, please. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that uh, I was looking at this week and I wanted to find out more about uh, a new feature from Google Maps. They have fuel efficiency is now a factor. Well, they they've been rolling it out slowly. And when you choose a destination. You pick where you're going. You go to Google Maps, if, whether it's in your car, on your phone or otherwise. They've been doing a lot of upgrades. And since 2021, they added this new eco feature, which looks like a little leaf. You may notice, maybe you don't notice, but <laughs> if you see a leaf on the destination when you go to pick where you're going, um, it's Google's way of telling you this is the most fuel efficient way. And even though you may look at it and go, wow, that seems like a longer drive, Google has calculated with algorithms that this is the shortest distance from a burning fuel point. So obviously we think the highway is the quickest and easiest. Sometimes it's taking you through the streets due to the fact that there could be traffic, it could be slowing down. Google's statement was that they have saved the planet 1.2 million metric tons of carbon dioxide due to the fact that people are actually 
taking the recommended routes. So Google is very much standing on the focus on climate change, focus on better environmental uh, operations. And again, uh, these are for vehicles that are obviously gas operated. So it isn't taking into factor how many of these were electric and how many are still uh, running on petroleum. Um, but just for the state of stake of understanding the savings of which people are giving from a carbon dioxide, it's 1.2 million metric tons. And that's in the last two years. Um, that Google's calculated this. Yeah, and, and part of that, as you mentioned, you may be on a highway, but if you're in a traffic slowdown or there is an accident on that highway, that's not going to be a fuel-efficient uh, route for you to take, and it's going to cost you money. That's right. And so uh, there's a couple other really neat features coming out with um, with Google as well that we're going to see this coming year with um, uh, the Android. It's called Android Auto. I know we call it Google Maps, but Android Auto, which is in your car, that's the little piece you see that allows you to uh, choose your destination. Um, the cool one of the new features they're coming up with is it's working with uh, municipalities um, and provinces on stop signs and, and lights. And it's taking into consideration the light sequences. <laughs> and so uh, as part of its ever uh, venture to create a much more flowing of, of vehicles and less carbon uh, creating, um, your Google Maps is actually factoring in that that light is three minutes, that, that light is two minutes, and this stop sign tends to have more traffic stopped at this location. That's coming out this year. That's going to be a really cool uh, addition to Google Maps. Yeah, that will be something interesting to look forward to. Uh, Apple is uh, starting to crack down on third-party parts. Well, this is a dangerous position. So if you have an Apple product, and I'm referring particularly to an iPhone or an iPad, not necessarily a computer, but Apple has, the they've been forced by the, by the government, the United States, and, and everywhere to be fair that third-party replacement parts are allowed to be installed. And it's one of those things that was kind of used to have to always go to an Apple store and have your Apple genius look at it and take care of it. And you'd have to buy authorized Apple products. Well, it's just recently that if you cracked your iPad, you can still replace it. You can replace the screen by third party products. However, you get that annoying little, uh, you know, statement saying uh, you have unauthorized Apple products. If you have an iPhone and you've done that, you know what I'm referring to. If you replace the battery or otherwise. Well, there's a little issue here and it's called serialization, Shona. That term means that Apple products will only work with Apple items, meaning if you've replaced your iPad Pro screen, it will work. You can touch it. You can move it with your finger. But if you have an Apple Pencil, it will not work unless it is an Apple authorized screen. Oh. Now, this is starting to create a little bit of an issue because in Europe, particularly France, the Department of Competition is investigating with against Apple with this lockdown. And it's going to basically force Apple once again to be probably pay some hefty fine and probably a slap on the wrist. Um, but it's putting a lot of pressure on Apple. So just keep that in mind. If you crack your screen, you can obviously get it replaced by a third party product. But it very likely will not work with the Apple Pencil. But that might be changing if, if France gets it, its way. They, yeah, they're investigating right now, which, I mean, it makes perfect sense. I mean, it, it's evident that it's taking place. So I can't see it not happening. Uh, I think what the most part is, is that you look at the different and it's a big difference. I mean, my daughter had an iPhone and I know when we replaced her screen, it was a difference between one's 120 and one's 220. It's a hundred dollar difference for just the screen replacement. And, you know, and it was like, well, I'm going to go with the lesser cost. And then it ended up having all that warning issues every time she booted it up. Um, and that could become a bit of a hindrance when you're, you know, trying to turn on your phone. OK, I got it. All right. It's not an authorized product in there. Yeah. 
and you start to wonder, do I really want that Apple Pencil compatibility for a hundred bucks? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's worth the extra cost. I, I was going to say for the time being until they rule this otherwise. Okay. Uh, this was one thing that really jumped out at me, and I, I was really looking forward to talk to you uh, to talking to you about this. The U.S. Navy's advanced propulsion propulsion research. Yeah, I, I think this is like the U.S. Navy to Darth Vader. Hold my beer. <laughs> They've got some pretty cool situation. They've patented this this new. Uh, I'm going to say unlimited energy and it works not only in, in air, but it's also been filed to work underwater and in a space environment. And what's unique about this propulsion system is think of it as traveling with ever never needing to fuel up. Um, that's actually one of the inside jokes of Star Wars. You notice, you know, very often that they haven't had to fuel fuel up or Star Trek, too. So these are a patent that has been filed and it would allow these uh devices, UFOs, they're calling it. It's a UFO patent is actually how it's filed. And it would allow to create two things. One, an unlimited energy source to allow it to propel, uh, uh, propel itself. At the same time, and this is where Star Wars comes into effect, they've created a patent for an energy field that is impenetrable that I like to think of it as like a Millennium Falcon protecting the shields uh, around a Starcraft. Um, and it's been filed by the military as an electromagnetic field generator that is impenetrable to defense the shield and the by land or by air um, and to help protect itself. I, I think of it as almost like an electronic magnetic, uh, uh, like I say, a shield that goes over the device or an area um, to protect it from infiltration. So this patent has just been filed. It seems crazy and wild and sci-fi, but uh, the fact that it's actually been issued with drawings um, kind of looks like a triangle. Actually, it's pretty cool. They 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 identified it as a triangle with the uh, with the item or the you know whether it's a, a tank or a, an airplane in the center of it, and it creates a like a little triangle uh, angle around it that protects it. Okay, I have to go here because of what you're talking about. A, it's a UFO patent. You said. <laughs> B, just last week, there was the UFO congressional hearing during which part of the testimony was that there has been a multi-decade effort for uh, uh, spacecraft retrieval and reverse engineering that has been going on. I'm starting to wonder if this is part of that. Well, I, you know what? I mean, you're 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 adding fuel to that fire, Shona. I'll tell you that right now because it definitely has to be linked together. I only saw. I like to look at patent registrations. I was honestly looking for Apple registrations and Samsung. I like to see what they're kind of inventing. This one came up, and I'm like, UFO patent? What's that? And I thought it was a joke. And then when I realized it was actually issued by the United States U.S. Navy, I'm like, well, that seems serious. Um, and then when I was looking at the drawings, I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. Uh, again, it's it, drawings do not necessarily state it's actionable or it's functional. Um, it's it's just in the how it would work in principle. So it, it is uh, the fact that they've been filed in the last week does bring some context to. Yeah, I think it could be real. The U.S. Department of Patent Registration does not joke. Adam Oldfield, <laughs> I want you to know that. Well, I guess so. I, I like making jokes about everything, Shona. So you, know, you never know. You know. They're serious about everything. There are already always so many great topics to talk about, but there were a few on your list that kind of made me go, what? And one was <laughs> electrified cement research. Yes. Yeah, what in yeah, the this heck is, is that? This is pretty cool. 
Um, basically what, you know, what we talking about is batteries. I mean, the future of our homes is, uh, storing energy. I mean, we, we turn on the lights and all of that. And we know that, you know, as long as the electrical company is operating correctly, we're, we're going to have power. Well, the big thing is right now, battery packs are becoming the new thing that most homes will be migrating over to. And they just came up with a electrified cement. Think of it as a storage within the foundation of your home itself. So instead of putting a battery pack on the side of your wall, which could be a Tesla battery pack, or there's different models that are out there. I didn't mean to give Tesla all the uh, the recognition. This new material is capable of being able to store the energy that would be. So think of it as charging it like your car. You would charge up your house and it would be almost like a generator that would be stored within the cement of your home. So the foundation would store the electricity, and then what you would do is, as you turn on your lights, turn on the washer, dryer, otherwise, it would then pull from the foundation. Why this is critical is not only is it cool and it's very revolutionary, what's neat is that it could be an inexpensive way as well, they're talking about, uh, you know, as I uh, talked with Bill Kelly in the past, is that roadways are soon to be electrified. This would work very similar in the same context, is that roads would be able to be built uh, with, with the capability of a solar or a wind source charging the uh, the concrete stored environment. And what it does is, and again, it could power your light bulbs, LED light bulbs. It could power your, your computer sources or otherwise. Um, and it's a concrete conductor within your home. And again, it could be a home or a business or otherwise uh, with respects to how it could be operated. But this is the new element of which researchers have come up with. And they're going to be, uh, and it's, by the way, I should also comment, every time we talk about this, it always has a bit of a, oh, no, cost. Oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's great. But no one can afford that. Um, what's unique about this case is that this is a very cheap and abundant material that they've been able to prove that the cement is is infused with this electrical storage capability. So um, it's it's affordable um, and it's going to become one of those er circumstances that if for whatever reason we lose power off the grid, you don't need a generator. As long as you got concrete foundation, you'll be able to uh, charge your home or charge your life. Yeah, but we always complain about the cost of everything until it's mass produced and the cost <laughs> comes down. Yeah, well, and this this is already inexpensive at the point of which development is is there. So I think this is uh, obviously to, uh, you know, roll out these great, you know, innovative things. Uh, it's got to be affordable across the board and scalable. Uh, and I think that's the part I was trying to come across is that it's a a, a limitless limitless battery capability that uh, again you pull energy from it and it doesn't need to be constantly uh, uh, charged it, it holds it and can hold that charge for a period of time it only tops up as needed. That's wild. Um, another one I wanted to talk to you about was AI powered brain implants. No, thank you. But <laughs> now you might change your mind on this. Okay. North Shore University has actually uh, performed a 15 hour surgery in March, and they were capable of, of using an AI powered brain implant, and it restored a paralyzed man's ability to feel and to move. Now, what they did was obviously it was a very long surgical process, 15 hours. It was like a full, you know, two days. Um, but what it did was when the gentleman, he, he awoke during the surgery. They were able to identify the sensations. And what's unique about this uh, circumstance is that it's not just a microchip giving feelings and actions back. The microchip was connected to an AI. And what it was doing was converting his thoughts into actions. So kind of like the way our brain works, the microchips on the brain then uh, used a neural bypass that allowed the brain to connect to the spinal cord, thus giving the gentleman to have the ability of feeling sensation 
and to be able to 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 walk and to move. So um, it's revolutionary in the circumstance of of obviously we've heard it could happen. It was only agreed by the FCC and in Europe that these new microchips can now be tested in humans. Well, they just rolled it out and it is official that uh, someone who is a quadriplegic is now capable of having sensation and motor movement. Wow. Okay, you convinced me. <laughs> that's that's really incredible. Um, I also saw the, uh, the there's like um, a, a type of mushroom that can eat plastic. Well, it's a fungi. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it could be mushroom, I guess, but they refer to it as a fungi. And uh, the scientists had discovered that it's a forest fungi. And uh, this forest fungi eats and can dissolve bark on the trees. Now, that, of course, is a concern if it was obviously in our forest that uh, long term. But they've actually been able, scientists have been able to pinpoint specifically the enzymes in the, in the organisms. And it can secrete from the fungi the ability to decompose plastic. Um, what's unique about this is that there is a lot of plastic in the world that is in waste and in our landfills. So it's still at the infant stage of testing. But the scientists have been able to determine that these microorganisms could be able to take and dissolve plastic resources on the planet, dissolving them and in a way that they're no longer a harm to our landfill site. Wow, it'd be it'd be really good if you could actually eat that particular fungi. <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not. No, no, I don't think it's an edible thing. I think oh, okay. I think that's one of those, you know, no, 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 don't put that in your mouth. <laughs> um, advancements in EV batteries, because we've had a lot of talk about, um, you know, EVs and, and going to the battery operated cars. Um, a lot of the um, uh, rare earth metals that are needed to create the EV batteries that we have now are, are going to be mined in, uh, in Ontario and, and in the far north. Uh, what are some of the advancements with EV batteries? Well, you know, the one that most people are hesitant, and I'm included in that show. Now, I'm like, M Michelle, my wife and I, we were looking at cars and we're like, ah, we, you know, should we get an electric car? And you know what? We're not ready yet. And I think the biggest concern I have, and I've talked to many with, they own a Tesla or an electric car, is, you know, we got battery anxiety. And, you know, you got to sit, you got to wait, uh, you know, charge your car. And, you know, it's an hour, 45 minutes, or you get enough to kind of get you somewhat there. Anyway, Enovix is the name of the company out of the United States. And the big rush right now is who can create an electric vehicle battery that can, uh, uh, that has the capacity to charge quickly. Now, there's two points to this story. The first one is the fact that they've been able to create an electric vehicle, Enovex uh, out of the U.S., um, claims, again, that with, with obviously proof and evidence on their own part, that their batteries can now be charged to 98% in under 10 minutes and 80% in five minutes. Wow. Now, we're getting to the point that it's like a almost to the, uh, a fueling up station. It takes five minutes to fuel up a vehicle. Um, and that could, uh, of course, you know, change people's mindset of battery anxiety. Um, on top of that, a Swiss company called ADB has also created the, the ability to charge multiple vehicles. Now, if you're sitting at a charging station and there's multiple charging units, depending on how many vehicles are there and who's charging at any given time, it can tend to be a problem because it, it slows it down. It's almost yeah. like the current can't charge all vehicles equally at the same time. Well, this claim is also now capable of now letting multiple vehicles charging simultaneously. Um, and I think the bottom line is, is that each week, and I say that week, not months, Shona, they're getting better and improving with innovation uh, and competition. That could be a game changer. We have got to run. The weekend is upon us, Adam. <laughs> 
It's already here, right? It I mean, is. <laughs> I, I can't wait for it myself. Adam Oldfield is uh, with us for Tech Talk. It is brought to you by Vacuum and Furnace and Duck Cleaning. As always, thanks for your time and your expertise, Adam. Thank you so much, Shona. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.